Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast with Simon Cocking, Senior Editor. I'll be doing a series of interviews with people at the cutting edge of green tech, clean tech, and anything else that we think is interesting and worth listening to for you guys, our listeners. Hi, okay, so I'm here with Debbie, and we are down at the Polytunnel in Cape, um, and we're going to talk about seeds and biodiversity. So first of all, hi, thanks to have you here. Good to be here. Thank you, Simon. So um, what's your... What's your I guess, what do, you, what do you do here in the polytunnel? We're growing the veg. So we're seeding and watering and feeding and maintaining and mm-hmm. composting when they're finished their cycle. I mean, and it's fantastic. I've just walked through it. So there's huge tomato plants. Everything is thriving, you know, so it clearly works. And we're mostly using open pollinated varieties. So it's nice to see that they do so well in these circumstances yeah, you don't need the hybrids yes so um so uh, have you have you always done this like definitely not on this scale but Stephen and I have always mm-hmm. gardened the first house we ever bought was from a, an Italian fam- immigrant family in Peterborough Ontario and they had gardened so extensively there wasn't a blade of grass in the back and we just took that as a sign to, okay. to carry on. So we started gardening then on a, on a pretty good scale. And then our second house had a, had a big lot. So we had a big vegetable garden there and we're growing asparagus. And yeah, yeah, I guess we've done it. I had a couple of tomato plants when I was a teenager in my parents' back, you know, the back garden mm-hmm. beside the drive. And I don't know where it came from. My parents certainly weren't interested, but okay, I just always been interested in watching things grow so i mean and you you know you clearly have enough to to bring it home and eat as well oh absolutely yeah we 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 live off this most of the year ah so that's great too so so how how what what do you have coming through in the winter you know a lot of brassicas we'll be eating kale um kohlrabi we have beets that'll carry us through the winter Mm -hmm. we have chard that will carry us through uh, lettuces, radicchio, and how long and do your herbs. do your tomatoes keep going? Because I, I get the impression that these are going to keep coming for a good while yet. They'll keep coming for a good while yet. They will start. Some of them will start to succumb to a bit of disease later in the season, say into September, October, and we just take the plants out as they don't look well to keep everybody else well, and we'll keep it going as long as as long as possible so I mean you go to December that's what I was wondering yeah yeah and then I guess quite soon after that you can start sowing new ones that's exactly it the cycle is is quite tight by the time you get them out you're getting the the beds ready again for the next round I usually start seeding the end of January beginning cool. of February so so look here at your desk you've begun putting some seeds down so so here we are in August. What should we be planting now for the autumn and the winter? Well, we have the luxury of the tunnels here, yeah. so that makes a big difference. But I'm just season. starting on some oriental veg right now, some mizuna and um, some different oriental mustards and cabbages and bok choy. And um, there's, a, there's an amazing wealth of species and varieties that are available out there, so it's, it's great. I actually learned about a lot of these from a book. It's quite local. Joy Larkham oh, did a book on, on yeah. Oriental Veg. Yeah. And after reading that, it kind of opened up a whole new world to me. 
Look, I mean, I would agree because we grow Mizuna and Mabuna and it does really well. So, so what else have you found does well that might not be something that people would think of, you uh, know? Komatsuna is a very big-leafed one, um, wonderful in a stir-fry, nice and mild. I really like the Homey Z mustard. It's not a hot mustard, but it's just got a nice little bite to it and it's a beautiful color. It's got red. It looks gorgeous growing. Um, and, and you look quite organized in that you actually keep track of what you planted and when you planted it, yeah? We do. We do. Part of that is, is just for my own knowledge and part of it is being in here. Um, if others are selling on, you want to know what bed it's going into and what your seed provenance is in yeah. case there's ever a need for traceability with any food, any so, food item. So we've been talking about that, about seed diversity and provenance. So um, I guess... How, what, what, what have you learned from doing it and what tips would you give in terms of having a good mix and maybe not just buying what you buy in Lidl or something, you know? Well, we have great resources here. Phenomenal. We've got Madeline McKeever with Brown Envelope Seeds. Just, you can almost see it from here. Uh -huh. West Cork, yeah. Island out of the way. Um, the Irish Seed Savers have an amazing array of ones that have grown in Ireland for generations in some cases so we get a lot of seed from them most of these brassicas these oriental brassicas we get from a company called real seed in wales all right okay and they have a great great extensive catalog of of all sorts of veg so yeah we're spoiled we really are spoiled for choice here and and why is it good to do to have more than one type of tomato growing or one type of mizuna well they have they have different characteristics. Some will be early, some will be late, mm -hmm. some are tart, some are sweet, um, some are just really pretty to look at and there's nothing wrong with just growing something that looks good. And do you save much seed yourself? We have, we have begun to. I, I actually have just learned in the last year, you can still teach tricks uh -huh, to old okay. dogs, uh, Jean Perry at Glebe Gardens is, a, is another wealth of information about growing and seeds I thought I had to that the tomatoes would cross-pollinate like mad and there was no point in saving seeds because we grow about 25 varieties okay but she was saying no that's not true they actually are self-fertile and so I've started saving saving seed from the tomatoes and I'm delighted with so you're maybe getting different things again the next time around yeah well no, they're coming true they're, oh, okay. they're not cross-pollinating, so I'm actually finding plants that are particularly good here and then yes. saving them. Yeah. yeah, so then you get seed from things that were grown here, exactly. which is better again, I imagine. Yeah. Absolutely, and we, we do that a fair bit with lettuce. Okay. We have, again, about 25, 30 varieties of lettuce, I would think, and we've found some that do exceptionally well in the tunnel. You know, they have extremes. They've got the heat in the summer and some damp so you want to see what grows well and we've actually selected seed from the best ones the or, best ones uh -huh. and kind of carried them on and we're delighted with with some of them we get a lot of our lettuce seeds from a company in the pacific northwest of the u.s okay called wild garden seed and looking at you know a similar climate right. a similar latitude all mm -hmm. that kind of thing and they have mixes and they, they'll do a mix every year. They call it their um, Morton's Secret Mix. 
each year they put out a new one, and it's kind of a conglomeration of everything they're working on. Oh, right. They may be named or unnamed varieties. You just never know. And we put, we will always do a bed of that. Yeah. And just see which one of these is doing mm -hmm. exceptionally well. Yeah. It's disease resistant. It doesn't bolt. You know, it doesn't bolt in when you look at it twice. And then we end up saving seeds. So we actually have some named varieties here now that we've taken on from there. We're not doing our own breeding or cross-pollinating or anything, but they were unnamed varieties, and we now we now have one called Red Cape. Oh, okay. We have one. The very first one was Mystery because yeah, it was, <laughs> and it's still doing great. We have. Um, couple of romaines one called 2016 freedom it's really an amazing one so yeah we're we're really pleased with what we're able to and that sounds fun keep. too that you know like like you say it's an ongoing process so exactly every year will be a bit different every year is different yeah. so look yeah. um the plants look really healthy um but i know that you don't use uh pesticides and chemicals so no. so what do you do to um stop the creatures eating everything I think like it's out of it's a stone. I thought it was a field mess. <laughs> <But> <laughs> no, it's a stone. <laughs> so so we, what what do you do? The the biggest problems are uh, now see I'm using Canadian terms, sow bugs, what are they? Wood lice. Oh yeah, yeah. We have plenty big, of them. In yeah. The, early in the spring they will mow down if the tomatoes go in at the wrong time, they will eat the stems. Oh I didn't realise they oh, were they were a pest. Okay. I, we didn't either. We we were couldn't figure out why we were losing them. We came over one night and with the torches and mm -hmm. saw them having the having the feast. Okay. Um, we it's hand. It's by hand. You're you're squishing. So a lot of squishing. You but you uh, don't have many slugs. So why is that? We don't have any slugs in here, and I think that has a lot to do with the gravel pathways. Okay. They're not happy to be crossing crossing that. So. I think I've ever, in almost 10 years, I've only seen one or two in here. Wow. Yeah, so that's, that's great. We, do, we did have an issue with some grubs, and that, again, is a matter of digging through the soil and pulling them out and squishing them. Yeah. And again, your, so your soil is very light and it looks good. So, so what do you do to keep it fertile, and do you recharge the beds? And if you do, how do you do that? We do. We get ton bags of compost, organic compost in either from Envirogrind up in Donegal or uh, there's another company in Rich. So we're getting the, in the autumn we get one ton, about five or six one ton bags. Uh -huh. And is that from mushrooms or horse manure? Or? Yeah, and up in the Donegal one also has fish byproduct oh, okay. in it too. Yeah, Interesting. yeah, yeah. So it's, it's really good because of course you're not feeding the soil the same way you would outside. They're they're fairly inert in the in the tunnel, mm -hmm. so you you have to make the effort yourself. And then we have um, organic fertilizer that we use. It's a seaweed and chicken manure combination. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what we'll do with the lettuce beds after after we've pulled the lettuce. We'll top it up with you know we'll scatter some of that around and and rake it in because there might be four or five different plantings of lettuce in the same bed over the course of a season. So you're putting a pretty high demand on those beds. And it will need to be recharged uh, then. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The tomatoes and all the, uh, the nightshades and all the 
cucumbers and melons and that get a feed of seaweed every two weeks. Uh-huh. So like Se the Monty Don. Seaweed. And so do you make that or how, how are no, you creating we, it? No, we're, we're buying we're uh -huh. buying that in. Yeah, yeah. We get it from Fruit Hill Farms up in Bantry. Okay. Con super concentrated. And yeah, it's great. We have a big 300 liter tub and we just use the watering cans and yeah. give, every, give everybody a feed. So that's every, every two weeks. Yeah. And that seems to be, it's, it's not actually a fertilizer, but it seems to really keep the plants healthy. Yeah, they, pe people seem it. to strongly advocate it. You yeah, know? yeah. We actually use dry seaweed in the trenches before we plant the tomato plants uh -huh. as well. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what I've come to learn that you can use it as a feed, you can use it as a fertilizer. And obviously here on an island after a storm, you know, we're in a fortunate position. Indeed. They, there are too many tunnels here for us to be able to really use yeah. our local seaweed. We're, we're not up to the physical labor of it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's great. And for the home garden, it's, you can't beat it. Yeah, it's great. Cool. So uh, if people were thinking of gardening in somewhere like Cape, either outside or in a small polytunnel, what would you suggest they start with? Oh, that's anything that you really enjoy eating for the most <laughs> okay, part. Okay, yeah. Um, so I have only, I haven't really grown much in the way of carrots because for me, that's just something I kind of add on. That wouldn't ever be a veg I would yeah, yeah. start a meal with. So we have some this year, but... There were other things I was more interested in eating. I'm I'm really tickled the, with the kohlrabi. Okay, and it's beautiful. So, but what does it taste like? It's like a very, very, very mild radish. Okay. Um, very juicy, makes the best coleslaw going, and yeah, I I really taken with it, and it'll last us all winter. So, it looks good, it tastes good, it's easy to grow. Brassicas in general are. They, the they seem to tolerate it here, don't yeah, they? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and are you as affected by the salty air? Does the polytunnel protect you, or is it still a factor? I've never had an issue with it in here that I can see. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's been really good. We, ha we even have one exotic here. We have uh, Cape gooseberries growing here that just absolutely love it. And, uh, and that's obviously Cape from South Africa, not Cape yes, from here. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Otherwise Indeed. they'd be local. But they're spectacular, aren't they? And they have a lovely flower too, don't they? Oh, they're beautiful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're beautiful. And the bees are loving it, so we're glad to have anything that brings the bees in. Well, this is it. I mean, you know, you're also providing an outlet for the bees to come to, so. Yeah, we've had to put screening on, the si The sides are open on the tunnel to get some ventilation going, and we've had to screen everything because blackbirds discovered that tomatoes are their very favorite meal yeah they destroy them don't they mm, absolutely so can the bees get through but the birds the bees can't can get through but the but the birds can't at least the bigger birds yeah so it's great the bees and we've had um, hoverflies and all kinds of and hoverfly, hoverflies are want. good <laughs> hoverflies, hoverflies are good though aren't they don't they're they they're supposed to i understand the larvae aphids which yeah. would be which would be great yeah uh, they're a positive creature so we have we have a few in that you know, we probably wouldn't want with little caterpillars around, yes. but that's easily dealt with. That's it's not come to the point where there's where there's a big problem. A little bit of white fly from time to time, but no, really, the plants are healthy. If the soil's healthy and the plants are healthy, you can really fend off most yeah. most pests. It seems. I mean, and it does enable you to be a lot more self-resilient, which is 
Indeed. always appealing yeah. and particularly now you know and that's that's another reason for the seed saving yeah you know it's we're we're more self-reliant and we know it's going to grow here because it's already grown here it's proven itself yeah 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 lots of reasons to save seeds i would really recommend to anybody to to do that we've got beans um that are just about ready to harvest now that we've we grew last year and we kept them as dried beans over the winter mm -hmm. and then we can also use the same yeah same ones to seed again and oh they're great and would you save like i don't know 10 percent? how much would you save well with we have a couple of varieties that we're growing specifically for dry okay so we just let them grow until yeah. the plants die back yeah. and then we'll we'll pull the whole plants and we'll we'll thrash them and get the seeds out yeah oh it, there's a friend cheeky one Lovely. The so Robin's very welcome. He likes to eat, he likes to eat the odd insects. So. I find that though, if you dig somewhere that they're almost watching, ready That's to it. dive in yeah, once yeah. you're done, you know. He's most helpful. That's one of the young ones. He's just fledged in the last month or so. I think they've almost co-evolved co with humans. They're, they're not shy. They're not no, shy. No, they're not shy. They're bold as brass. <laughs> but he's welcome. So look, that's lovely. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Simon. Thanks for doing the interview. We hope you enjoyed that podcast and we will be bringing you more across as diverse and interesting a range of stories as we can find. You're welcome to reach out to us on Twitter, LinkedIn or by email and give us any feedback and let us know what you'd like us to cover in the future. Thanks and keep listening.